Somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from as Lux Tradamus. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. Still to come, supermodel Elizabeth Pipko, Weird Al Yankovic, and Corey Asbury returns to the spotlight, along with Assignment Desk Weekend. Now, from Times Square, where yesterday was officially renamed Kiss your councilwoman on the cheek day. Here's that Kevin. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it. Did you hear about this? Uh, councilwoman um, on the street doing an interview with the CBS 2 News affiliate. And dude comes up and just kisses her right on the sidewalk. I mean, people thought it might have been the president or something. Hey, assignment desk weekend. Let's go. After years of denying doing so, it appears that President Joe Biden has been intricately involved in conversations with Hunter Biden, his son's business dealings and associates, since and during his time as vice president in the Obama administration. In fact, he's used at least three pseudonyms to send and receive emails to official White House email addresses that discussed such business dealings with his son and with the Burisma Corporation in the Ukraine. But he doesn't like being asked about it or reminded. Now, where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them, talking business. Never talk business in anyone. And I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you, it's, why is that a lousy question? Thank because you. it's not true. Thank you, Mr. President. Someone better tell him that the emails are in print and that the internet lives forever. For the record, Assignment Desk Weekend believes it's a very good question and that the president should answer it. But evidently, the practice of making up uh, names for government email addresses was common practice in the Obama administration. Former Press Secretary Jay Carney saying it made eminent sense for a variety of reasons, like when journalists use it to have a separate response email for their readership as opposed to the one they use to talk to the editorial staff in the, in the press room, or when vice presidents who are selling out their country want to get their cocaine-addicted sons jobs for companies they don't speak the language of or know anything about. Don't forget, by the way, 50% of that all came back to the big guy. If he's the big guy, who's the little guy? Hmm. This week, Elon Musk, seen here practicing for his staring contest with Mark Zuckerberg, announced that his social media platform called X, formerly known as Twitter, can we be done with that, by the way? I thought that went out with Prince like a long time ago. Anyway, he will soon be removing the block feature from the platform. Within just minutes of announcing 
this, the CEO learned precisely how much people really like to use the block feature from all the feedback. No word on whether or not he's relented on this incredibly stupid, completely, insanely maniacal, inane idea. Can we can we pull that off? Make it go viral? Send it to his address like 50,000 times now? You can't block it. Get, get on that. A Pennsylvania lawmaker has introduced legislation to require employers to pay their employees five days worth of salary. Forget this, only four days worth of work. Assignment Desk Weekend thinks this is a little bogus, though. I mean, who settled on the percentages? Five days of salary for four days of work? I mean, why not pay the worker uh, 12 months worth of salary for only one month of work? I mean... Assignment Desk Weekend doesn't actually believe that this lawmaker knows anything about how things are made, how money works, or maybe they've never even had a job. Native American groups now wish to have the NFL Washington Commanders return to their legacy mascot, the formal, formerly known as the Washington Redskins. The Native American Guardians Association arguing that the name is not offensive and actually represents a select group of mighty warriors, something the Washington commanders have never been mistaken for. And finally, this Australian influencer has had enough. There are too many American flags, like they're on houses, they're on cars, Solomon couch cushions. Like, I don't know who's making these American flags, but they'd be making a bloody fortune. And like, you're the only country that I know that does this. Like, the only time I think I've ever seen an Australian flag is like on the Harbour Bridge. Could not tell you what it looks like. Like, I know it's like blue and it's got some stars on it, but I, I think I could draw the American flag from memory. Like, I think I could make a bloody sculpture out of it. That's how many times I've seen it. It's enough. Let's pull back on it, okay? Let's stay humble. Sadly, we are not here to help. God bless America, and that's Assignment Desk Weekend. Shut up.
of one weird Alfred Yankovic. It's been a while since I've heard that name. <laughs> if you if you love if you love grammar, if you love punctuation, if you love well-written things, word crimes. Kevin McCullough coming back with Elizabeth Pipko. Ready or not, you'll be right back. gentlemen so glad to have you with us on this particular edition of that kevin show and every week i look forward to having uh sparkling guests that are uh, lucid and, and and insightful on all the topics that we cover and uh sometimes i just they're just people i just genuinely appreciate respect and have fun hanging out with and tonight kind of fits into all that ca- uh, in all those categories with my next guest she was one of our very first guests on that kevin show a number of months ago in january already of this year please welcome elizabeth pipko back to that kevin show Um, you've been busy this last year. When you were last here, you were launching a brand new project that I think was unlike anything that had been launched. Yeah, so it's been really, really great, honestly, watching um, the world kind of not know what to do with Kanye West's um, antics, let's call them. Last fall kind of left me in a place wondering how I could step in and make some kind of a difference. 
So knowing people that have reached out to me, just wanting to be a part of it. Um, we actually get more submissions from people that want to volunteer and just help than people that are submitting their actual stories and content. So that's amazing. Um, it's a really good feeling knowing people are on the right side of history on this topic that I genuinely cannot believe we're even debating in 2023. The fact that I have to prove to people that the Holocaust happened is absolutely ridiculous, but it's a digital Holocaust museum where you can actually participate in preserving the materials on the platform. So God forbid, we face any kind of real censorship on this topic in the future, or anyone just kind of wants to push back on talking points like we heard from Kanye West last year. The, the platform exists. It's going to continue to grow. We're collaborating with different museums and organizations around the world, but hopefully it'll exist for a really long time. And hopefully the majority of the world at one point or another will have preserved at least one material from less people forget. Well, and I, I, I want to just point people back to that and it's less people forget. Um, and I, I want you to go and, and observe it yourself, but also spread the word because Elizabeth, what you were just saying is really important. And it's not just, I know you were inspired to do this because you ran into some young or some young people were having a conversation with you and it kind of opened your eyes to what they don't know. But those young people turn into adults that turn into the drivers of society. Right. And when you have uh, in 2023, you still have whole cloth countries on, on planet earth that are in denial about what happened uh, in the Holocaust. It, it, it just, it, it, it doesn't shock me from the standpoint of, I can't believe that it's there. It shocks me from the standpoint that people are allowing it uh, to be forgotten in the way that they have, and that there's not more people uh, raising their hand saying, we, we've got to do more to keep people educated on this. Obviously, one of the biggest ways that we repeat bad history is forgetting what happened before us. And this is this is your attempt and a very valiant one at trying to not allow that to happen. Yeah, correct. It's like a weird mix of ignorance being bliss and the fact that there's this hatred in the world. Obviously, the hatred part is very, very small. And I'm hoping it remains that way or gets even smaller. But the fact that people kind of want to walk around ignorant to a history that was actually a lot more recent than most people realize, um, I think it's impacting the younger generation more than people ever thought that it would. And I think the consequences kind of of our own actions are kind of creeping up on us. And if we don't take action right now, who knows what the next generation is going to forget. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. Um, we're speaking with Elizabeth Pipko, uh, model, entrepreneur, uh, master's graduate uh, since yeah. we last spoke. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, um, so I went to the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, they have a school of social policy and practice, it's called. Um, I did my master's last year. I think when we were talking, I was about halfway through. So I graduated in May. It's been really special. It's like we're in a very weird place in our society. I did a very big show in Las Vegas actually yesterday. Um, and the host told me that I'm one of the few people he's had on that had a college degree. And I thought that was interesting because he has some very prominent, very famous people on um, across you know industries, across political spectrums, everything else. So it was weird because I'll either walk into a room where people think it's like very, very special that I have this degree and they have to kind of amp it up as if it's the University of Pennsylvania and a master's. And then I'll walk into other rooms and people are confused as to why I went to school in the first place. So I think it's like a weird sense of our society went so divided on politics in kind of 2015, 2016, that they then divided on even the dumbest, smallest issues. So it's very strange. People are talking to me about it as if it's something that needs to be again debated or discussed. I'm really proud of it. Just a teeny tiny part of who I am and what I've done. Yeah. And I hope to continue on and get my JD very soon. Well, and your and your 
the work there in nonprofit obviously is applying directly to lest we forget. And yeah. there will be other applications for that as you know, you're living your life, but you've also dabbled a lot in media since we last spoke. In fact, uh, <clears throat> not my radio station, but the competitors, uh, you seem to have a regular co-hosting gig on the morning show. Um, talk to me about talk radio and your experience thus far. Yeah. Are they competitors? I feel like, I feel like I, I prefer friendly competition. I don't even know. I didn't know they were competitors. So well, I guess technically, see, John Katsimatidis, who owns uh -huh. WABC, kind of figured out how to do radio through Salem. So um, when he when he left us and bought the other station, we were like, oh, <laughs> it, kind of, it was kind of sad. But he's still on our show. He's still on our station weeknights yeah, at five. So, yeah, we're good. Yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. Um, honestly, I think when I graduated, I had spent probably like four or five hours a day consistently for the last year just studying and not paying attention as much as others were, let's say, to the world around me. So everything just kind of opened up at once. I'm trying to figure out what it is I want to do, to be honest. Between the modeling and other things I've done in media, a lot of attention has been placed on the way that I look. And I cannot say how beyond sick of that I am, especially when I am studying and I do have so much to contribute, I think, apart from that. So being on radio, I think, is just like, fun for me, knowing I can sit there for four hours and share my opinions and no one is listening because of the way I look has been probably one of the greatest things I've gotten to discover in the last few years. Well, so if you want, fun. we can we can put a, a blurred spot right over your face for the rest <laughs> of this interview, if you if you would prefer us to do that. Um, no, I and, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever asked this question. I've had a few models on the show over the years. You've been on more than once. But it seems to me that to be a decent person in the world and to be blessed with uh, supremely good looks is kind of like a twin. It's, it's like twice as hard. And I don't know why that appears to be the case, but for you, do you consider your, your attract, your, you know, your attractiveness as a blessing or a curse? Is it just something you don't even think about? Like, how do you, how do you process and deal with, with having, the obvious uh, good looks that you have? I would say it's less obvious. And I bet you've never been asked that question before. <laughs> because people are honestly so intimidated by you, they can't even get the words out. That's why. Um, honestly, I don't think it's obvious good looks. It's just not the looks people expect in the rooms that I've kind of walked into, you know? So it's, it's strange. My husband likes to joke that I'm lucky that I was really, really, really not blessed for a very long time. So I was like bullied a lot growing up. I definitely was not blessed in the looks department. I prayed a lot for it. Like it really took over like my youth, to be honest. So I feel like I'm still that girl deep down. I don't know why people look at me or make a big deal about certain things. Then again, um, this is the world we live in and I can do something I believe to be, you know, incredible or intellectual or just any kind of achievement out there. And when the media writes about it, they're going to use a swimsuit, you know, photo from five years ago, no matter what it is that I do. So I think it's more that and the fact that no matter what I do, it's always going to be overshadowed by what people think they should be talking about instead than the fact that I actually look the way that I do, which I don't think impacts me very much. That's that's a really honest and fair answer. We're going to take a quick break. We're back with one of my favorite people, Elizabeth Pipko. Stay right here on That Kevin Show in Times Square. Ready or not, you'll be right back.
Back to that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. Glad to have you with us. Uh, welcome back to Times Square. Kevin McCullough, that Kevin show uh, on the Salem News Channel, Biz TV, coast to coast, and more than 300 and now four affiliates uh, radio-wise, uh, coast to coast, including our brand new two stations in Oklahoma City. Very happy to have uh, KTLR. AM 890 and 103.7 FM joining the family as of last week. Uh, Elizabeth Pipko is my guest. And uh, you you may say, I know that name. You may be watching and say, I know that face. Where have I seen it? Well, she's done a lot of modeling work in the last few months. And Liz, when we were talking before, you'd kind of like moved at, there was a, a period of time where you kind of moved out of the, the modeling and now you're, you're kind of thoroughly back in it, including some really um, beautiful covers in recent weeks. Um, what is on your burner right now that you're most excited about? Please. Um, I think the entire world is on my burner. I, I mean, people are literally constantly asking me what it is that I do because it doesn't make sense to them, which means that it must not be real. Um, I think when a door opens, you kind of have to take the opportunity no matter what it is and how hard that might be. And I've been really, really blessed that a lot of doors have opened for me. The problem is a lot of those doors don't really work well together, or at least they haven't, I don't think, until I kind of came around. So <laughs> I'm just really, really, really trying to show people you can do a little bit of everything, hopefully succeed at all those things at once. Um, and it shouldn't be that confusing to people that I'm a young woman who wants to both model and, like you said, speak about public policy. And I've done the work, I believe, to do both of those things. Um, I'm going to keep trying my best, obviously, to show people that, but it's less about dealing with those that might be confused or uncomfortable with it and more about just inspiring young women so they can literally do the exact same thing. Well, it is insanely ridiculous how stupid our society takes famous people that, you know, have already been models or actors or whoever, and suddenly starts attaching importance to what they say when right. they haven't been in the arena fighting for anything of principle, et cetera, et cetera. But all of a sudden they hit a certain stage of visibility and now they're supposed to be an expert that we're supposed to care. Like, I don't care who Taylor Swift votes for, honestly. Like it doesn't, her her decision is to who she's gonna, if I was gonna judge her presidential candidates based on her dating partners, I wouldn't vote for anybody she recommended. So there's there's just kind of that kind of common sense part of life, but you do care about the country and we're in a little bit of a mess and you're having to give your opinion uh, all the time now. Where do you see the current campaign uh, as it's developing. And I know that you have some connections to um, 45 directly. So I don't want to make you say things you don't want to say, but it, we, we're, I'm genuinely concerned about where we're headed. And I'm just curious uh, your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I'm super concerned as well. Less as someone who might know, associate with, like you said, 45 and more just about someone who, hopefully has many, many years ahead of them as a proud contributing member of American society. Um, my entire family fled the former Soviet Union to come here so that I could be an American. And so my children and grandchildren and hopefully future generations after that be the same and could kind of enjoy the freedoms that my family dreamed about back in Russia. So I feel like I'm more concerned from that angle, what they're doing to him, I don't think is okay. I don't think most people deep down think is okay. But again, that's less about him, because whether he wins or loses next November, in 20, 30 years, people have forgotten about Donald Trump. But the impact that all these investigations and the divisive attitude that people have, the polarization, that's all going to remain. And my kids and grandkids will have to pick up the pieces. And that's kind of what well, I Well, and the policies will remain. So if we stay on this Marxist trend towards, you know, complete takeover by progressives, um, we're not going to we're not going to recognize what America is in 30 years. Right. Every time my parents ask me about the word communism, 
and how I don't understand how to explain to them that there are people in my generation that don't see it in a negative light. Um, I genuinely get uncomfortable talking to them, like knowing again what my family has gone through. My father lost his father in the process, had to say goodbye to him for the last time when coming here. My parents and grandparents, they lost everything. They came with $90 in their pockets, they had to rebuild. People have gone through even much harsher situations to, you know, come to be, come to live this American dream. So knowing that they went through that literally to escape communism, socialism, obviously a million other Marxist ideals that we can discuss so that my generation and future generations could talk about, you know, how it could be a good change for us. It's, it's scary. It's comical. I truly don't know how to approach it with them because I, I see them more sad than anything else. And that mm. breaks my heart. But at the same time, I do believe that those that are kind of advocating for this online might be the loudest voices in the room, but they're not the biggest groups in the room. And as long as we push back in, in the most respectful of ways, but with, you know, America at the forefront, that's what's going to matter in the end. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the time goes too quick. Uh, if you want to see her latest uh, cover work, uh, she's on the, the cover of Now Magazine, um, but her book is called Finding My Place. And of course, you can follow her on Instagram uh, and the other uh, social uh, outlets, but to Instagram, it's Elizabeth Pipko. Uh, and she's verified, so you can you can know that it's really her. <laughs> Elizabeth, uh, we didn't even get into uh, culinary school. Uh, next time you come back, we have to talk food a little bit. Yeah, I would love to talk food a little bit. Let's do that soon. Uh, Kevin McCullough coming right back from Times Square. Don't go away. Ready or not, he'll be right back. Welcome back from Times Square. Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. For the last number of years, we have liberated, literally uh, liberated, almost 4,000 slaves from captivity. Now, you may not have known that slavery was even still in effect in, on any place on planet Earth. This will shock you if that is you. Slavery is worse today on planet Earth than at any point in time in human history. But my friends at Christian Solidarity International have been fighting this, uh, and now they fight on 18 different fronts, 18 different countries that they are uh, addressing the issue of human trafficking and slavery with. And it changes. In some places, it's indentured servitude where children inherit their, their, they inherit their parents' debts, and so they are enslaved until they can be paid off. In places like Sudan, slaves have become part of the spoils of war, and so when one side wins— uh, they get to take the women and children and make them their property. Uh, in other places, uh, as the movie Sound of Freedom has pointed out so, so well, uh, the human trafficking and sex trafficking issue is uh, worse now than it's ever been. And CSI is actively fighting uh, all forms of slavery in some 18 different countries uh, on planet Earth today. But in the area of specific slavery in Sudan, where the women are trafficked, uh, they are forced to have sex with people that they do not give their consent to. They are forced to take husbands that they do not want. They are forced to have children that they don't that they they do not want. But not only that, they are forced to lose their identity. So S Southern Sudanese women largely are Christian, and in the enslaved captivity, they are forced into um, Islam. They are forced to take on a different name. They are forced to be 
circumcised on their genitals. They are forced to uh, endure uh, continual rape, uh, torture, beating, abuse, verbal abuse, being called names, etc. And in all of this, um, their dignity, their total personhood is uh, constantly uh, under attack. And it's easy for them to lose hope. But like I said, over the last 10 years, you and I working together have liberated nearly 4,000 of these individuals. CSI does this through one-to-one -one negotiation with the slave master, securing the release of the slave, and then getting them back to South Sudan where they were originally from. Now, what's kind of fun <clears throat> is where we come in is next. Uh, they get to, they get back to freedom in South Sudan. They're at a recovery camp. They're given um, any medical care that they need. They're given uh, cursory counseling and other things for things that they've gone through. They have their story written down so that they have kind of a permanent uh, memory of of what has happened to them that they can later tell other people. But they oftentimes uh, get their name back. They take back their identity, their Christian identity. And then when they've recovered after a period of time, they are given what's called the bag of hope. And then CSI helps them find their original homeland, where they came from in South Sudan, what village they came from. If they still have family <clears throat> that are living, you know, what does it take to find them? Uh, and they help them do that. The bag of hope has everything they need to start their life over, a year's worth of food, a year's worth of grain to, to plant the next uh, year's worth of food. Uh, they get utensils and uh, tarps and blankets and uh, fishing utensils and gardening utensils and cooking utensils. Uh, they get a Bible and they get uh, a she-goat. And the she-goat provides a bit of micro-enterprise for them so that they can begin to uh, supply for themselves. Um, they can also get milk and cheese from the goat. They can breed the goat, create uh, baby goats for other people to buy. So it's it's a it, the bag of hope is much more than just a bag, <clears throat> but it costs two hundred and fifty dollars to give this bag of hope and everything that comes with it to one slave when they are recovered. And we're asking you to help us um, relocate those slaves by supplying those bags of hope. $250 one-time gift will do it. 888-342-1010 is the number. 888-342-1010. And here's an example of someone that we've helped. I was a child when I was abducted by the Arabs. My parents used to own livestock, and my mother would do all the cooking for us. I don't remember the year that I was captured. There had never been any problems in our village. Then one day, all of a sudden, we heard that there were Arabs attacking Dinka villages throughout the south. We were so worried, we could not even sleep at night. It was a big concern to my mother and my father. We were told that these Arabs were heavily armed and would kill all the animals and people when they would attack. We were very scared. Then one morning, they attacked our village. We scattered in different directions and I ran, but I was captured. My entire village was burned down and I've never seen a member of my family since. Then I was taken north into slavery. My eyes saw horrific things on that trip to the north. Women were raped right in front of us. Men were beaten and four men were killed because they tried to fight back. They were shot dead before our eyes. Once at the slave master's house, I was pretty much starved. 
and worked brutal hours every single day doing difficult and very, very hard work. There was no relief. And then, they raped me. My slave master did not think of me as a human. He would not even let me go to the hospital when I fell sick. And one day, I heard that there was a slave retriever from CSI close by. How I wanted to be free. That retriever secured my freedom. And thank God, I was able to return to South Sudan. Thank you to each of you who helped the slaves be free. But please don't stop until we get them all. It's a reasonable request. The phone number is 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010. And your gift right now of only $250 will liberate another girl like a hoke, the one you just heard the story from. The names may sound different to our Western ears, but their hearts, their desires, their lives are no different than your own daughter's. Friends, if you believe that slavery is evil, and if you believe that we should be here to make a difference, then please do. Pick up the phone, 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010. You can also give online by just going to bringherhome.org. That's bringherhome.org or 888-342-1010. That's 888-342-1010. Ready or not, he'll be right back. That Kevin. Serving it up with a no-drink minimum. It's that Kevin show. Whether it's the reckless, seemingly reckless love of God, the days we will long for, or God's kindness, here's Cody Asbury. Sometimes marriages don't work. Sometimes babies die. Sometimes rehab turns to relapse. And you're left just asking why. And for all the prayers I've prayed, I still wonder if he's real. If he is, how is he choosing who he does and doesn't heal? I've tried to run from Jesus. I've started holy wars. I've tried the patient waiting and the kicking down the doors. I've cursed his name and fist raised to the sky and in return all he's ever been is kind and I burned my share of bridges learned to tuck my tail and run and watch the wreckage in the rear view from all the crooked things I've done and I know that he forgives me but it's hard to forgive myself I can't help but think amazing grace Is for everybody else I've tried to run from Jesus I've started holy wars I've tried the patient waiting 
That's what kindness cost I've tried to run from Jesus I've started holy wars I've tried the patient waiting And the kicking down the doors I've cursed his name in anger When my fist raised to the sky And in return, all he's ever been All he's ever been is kind. And all he's ever been is kind. As the broken heart uh, and the swelling lyrics of Cody Asbury, but uh, hitting home tonight at that Kevin show in the music spotlight stage. So thankful to have him along with us. Thankful to have you here each week as well and hope that you'll be back uh, next week. We anticipate a great end to the official summer season here at that Kevin show next week uh, and getting ready for a huge fall. So we hope you'll be here every week uh, at uh, that Kevin show. 